0: Hi, this is Harry Margolis with the Ask Harry podcast. We're here to answer your estate planning questions and hear from experts in the field. In this episode of Ask Harry, continues his conversation with holistic planner and host of the TV show Master Your Future, Rajiv Nagayic, on the subject of where one needs to be at age 75 when it comes to estate planning. Rajiv Nagayic, welcome back to Ask Harry, the Ask Harry podcast and askharry.info. In our last conversation, we discussed some of the problems with the state, financial, elder law, long-term care planning, and the fact that number one, they're not coordinated and a lot of things fall through the cracks. And number two, people really don't plan for how they want to be cared for, how they want to live in the event they, they may become inca- incapacitated in the future. And we started talking about some solutions, and I was really intrigued by what you said about really, it, it, by the time you're age 75, you really need to be in the place where you want to be for the long term. Right, And, and kind of what, the, if you want to expand on that, kind of some of the things you need to think about in choosing that place.
1: So uh, that age 75 is talking about the housing area. area right. right. And then I think in the last podcast, we talked about that in life, the consumer in uh, somehow just by our sponsors or by by just by, by the gut sense of it, we know that life is multidisciplinary in nature. And yeah. we're going to need to do planning around more than just finances or legal. Right. So yeah. we... Plan around health issues, housing, finance, legal, and somewhere we do also keep in mind that our children will get involved if we fall ill, or they'll have a role to play. So these are the five key areas to work on. And, so and my me- guess is most people plan two of those. They usually they focus into them. They actually plan all five. Uh huh. But they never they re- they don't do it in an organized manner, so it never feels like we've done the planning. Like housing, for example. Right. right that's what we were talking about age 75. Yeah. what is the typical person's housing goal in america whether they like it or not this is they, they, we plan around this notion i want to live in my house as long as i possibly can right and when the day comes that i this becomes too much we'll figure something out right, that's, right? now that's true yeah we don't really focus on it that this is our plan but that's the plan that we all end up adopting in, mm-hmm. in fact stanford university They verify that is the plan for most of us. Most of us have a hope to live our lives in our own home. And then Stanford University also shows that less than 30% of us are going to meet that goal. Wow. 70% of us are going to die in a hospital, in a hospice house, in a nursing home, in a place where we would much rather not be, despite all of us wanting to live our lives out at home. And so what is wrong with that plan then? What's wrong with the plan is that any- I'd say what's wrong is not really a plan. It's not a plan, and any endeavor that has a 70% chance of failure, we should quickly abandon their way of going, but we don't do that, right? Mm -hmm. So what is a better way of planning? Better way of planning is looking at the rest of our life and saying, well, if I truly mean it, that I don't want to end up in a nursing home, or I don't want to end up having to be displaced the day that I fall ill, I had better, what do I need to do to organize so that the care will come to me? and in the last podcast I I alluded to, the three things that you must have, and you can't do two of the three, you can't do one of the three. They all have to be done at the same time. You must make sure that the house is Mm age-friendly. It's okay to be living in a three, four-story home as long as you have an elevator going up and down. Yeah. For us to think that a stair lift will be a good solution, a stair lift is a good solution for temporary needs for maybe a month to two months. Mm -hmm. But imagine a person with Alzheimer's. Imagine a person with some very long-term term physical infirmity, which requires the use of a stair lift. Somebody takes you out of bed, puts you in the chair. So one person needed to do that. Right. Presses the button goes down. Then they raise a cow, they slaughter it, and then they get beef and steaks out of it. And by the time they, that's all done, then the chair is now to the bottom and you unplug the person or unhook the person, take them to the dining room and then you do it again after lunch and then do it again in dinner and again in the morning. Right. right. Exactly. So we have to think age-friendly home. You have to have the money. The single biggest financial threat we face, uncovered medical illness. We all know that. Right. Home care can be as much as uh, on the low end of it, $1,000, $2,000 a month. Mm-hmm. On the high end of it, twenty-five to $30,000 a month if we need 24-7 care. Where will yeah. that money come from? Do we have the financial bre- uh, breath? Have we looked at VA, Medicare, Medicaid? You know, how are we going to, have we looked at long-term care insurance? Have mm-hmm. we looked at a reverse mortgage? That's the second part. The third part you need to look at is even if you had all the money in the world, you had the perfect house, you'd still fail in being able to live your life at home if you were not living within one to five mile radius from a person who has been named as your healthcare agent. Why? Somebody will need to be there to make sure that when money hires people, these people show up. Don't take advantage of you don't leave you neglected. Mm-hmm. And we never think about that, right? I mean, oh yeah, I've got my son. Where is your son living? About an hour away, not too far, really. Yeah, let's make that a one-hour drive in the morning, one-hour drive at night, and uh-huh. now make it seven days a week, and make it 365
0: days a year. Well, more, more often than what happens in our neck of the woods, is parents retire to Florida. <laughs> they have 10, 15 good years yeah. uh, on their own in Florida, and then someone yep. becomes ill, and they they have to they move back, and then they move back, who knows where they move back to assisted living, to a nursing home, to the to an in law apartment, but to right. some they they try to figure it out at that point.
1: Right, but we need to figure this out ten years before we fall ill. Right. right, that's the. Area on housing. So how we plan on housing is I live my at home as long as I can, and then figure something out. Bad way to plan. Yeah. Better way to plan. I want the assurance that the day I fall ill, I've done everything I need to to assure myself. The care will come to me, and my kids will not have to end up becoming my unpaid caregivers, and mm-hmm. I will not go broke in the process. Yeah. That's the better way to do housing planning. So that makes a lot of sense. Now you said there are four other areas. One one was health. The foundational issue about health is, and I'm always amused by this, and, and Harry, the work that you and I do, we basically are geriatric lawyers. Have you ever figured that out? Uh, well, so, elder law, geriatric law? I'm becoming geriatric, geriatric now, but... And the reason why I say geriatric is I, I used to teach at, uh, I, I still do at, at the University of Washington. And the head of the department there, Dr. Bill Hazard, the head of the geriatrics department up there, he the first time he met me, and says, so you do geriatric law? And I, they just stuck with me. I say, yeah, that's what we do. Anyway, going back to the medical part of it, how do we plan medicine? How do we plan our medical affairs? Wait till 65, enroll in Medicare and buy a supplement plan. That's what we do. Right. Why do we need an insurance policy? So we have access to meaningful health care if we fall ill.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Compare this to the biggest goal that we have in life. I don't want to end up in a nursing home or a care facility against my wishes. How do you accomplish that? By not falling ill.
0: Well, no, no one wants to fall ill. I mean
1: you want to live hopefully you have some good years of retirement and you're healthy. Right so can we do something about not falling ill more so than what we're doing right now? I mean some of the obvious things are eat right exercise socialize that's on you. No one's going to make you do that but is there anything the healthcare community can help you do that you're not paying attention to? Yep there's a research physician out of University of Minnesota did a Fantastic study, it, it, a fascinating study. Looked at 568 people over the age of 70. All of these people, in this opinion of this research physician, were going to see a health decline of some sort, divides them into two groups. One group he says, go see your regular doctors, your internal medicine, and, and in your, your family medicine. Mm-hmm. The other group he says, go see a group of pediatric care physicians. Uh, sorry, geriatric care physicians. Okay, great. Right? 18 months after the study starts, he looks at the results. People who were seeing geriatric care physicians, compared to the people who are seeing internal medicine, and family medicine, 50% less depression, (laughs) 40% less use of home care and home health, and 33% less disabilities. Wow. Let me repeat the middle one again. 40% less use of home care and home health. What does life look like, Harry, for the people who don't need home care and home health? You are nowhere close to being in a nursing home. That's what life looks like. How much education did the healthcare community give you? That if you're going to be investing money and paying premiums for a policy, make sure that policy gives you access to a large enough group of board certified geriatricians, not just geriatricians, mm-hmm. board certified geriatricians, because we know by data, they will be able to help keep you healthier longer. It's not that they do different work, they may approach their craft differently. Mm hmm. And yeah. therefore, they can help lower your risk of going to a nursing home by 40%. I've talked to Dr. Bolt so many times. I've interviewed him on my radio show and go to agingoptions.com and there's an academy that I have, This whole class, there's, a, if you will, a online teaching academy that I've created. And that's in true. there, in the health section, Dr. Chad Bolt, he talks about his study that's and he talks mean, about basic why geriatrics is so Right. So that's, that's just true. one example. Harry, there's so many other things we can do, how we use our health insurance differently. The goal being, I don't want to fall ill, but do not look to the medical community to give you this information because the insurance agent who sold you the policy, he sold the policy with enough information to help you make that decision. Because in America, health insurance is about access to care after you fall ill. Nobody makes money when you're healthy. Everyone makes money when you're ill you right. have to do your own research mm-hmm. that's healthcare
0: well that's amazing okay that so so let's go on to financial planning how do so,
1: how do people normally do it and how should they do it right and so think about it how do we do it i mean you go down to a financial planner what is the financial planners uh, planning industry's answer or you just need to have a lot of money now, money doesn't mean money in the bank. Sometimes it means insurance products like long-term care insurance and annuities mm-hmm. and all that sort of need jazz. Yes. Why? Right. Yeah. Because when you don't have a lot of money to your name, a long-term care insurance policy will cover the costs.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: in any which way, shape or form, you take a look at it, the financial industry has basically said that you just need to have enough money to retire with. If you have money, will be okay. Right. What's wrong with that plan? Glenn Campbell, Tim Conway, Casey Kasem, multi-millionaires, all of them have dementia, and none of them were able to take their last breath in their own home. So, so Money by itself is not going to do it. It doesn't take millions of dollars. It doesn't take a long-term care insurance policy. It's the use of the money in the end that is going to be the far more important thing. When you're ill and your agent has to step up to the plate, do they know how to use that money? right? And, yep. and so, yeah, I have a long-term care insurance policy. Do they know how to use that long-term care policy to make sure that the care will come in without them having to become the unpaid caregivers? So many people with long-term care policies end up in nursing homes because they never organize the third rail of the housing planning, which is the family issues, mm-hmm. right? And we never take a look at that stuff and therefore we end up failing. In financial planning, there are two things we have to look at. One is we have to understand The single biggest financial threat that we face is uncovered medical or long term care illness. We know that.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. How do we pay for it? Long term care insurance is one option. Yeah. A reverse mortgage could be an option.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. VA, Medicare, and Medicaid could also be an option. Or some combination of all those. Or a combination of all of those. Have we looked at all of that stuff? That's the first thing we need to do. And for that, you cannot go to an estate planning attorney. You need to go see a Terry Margolis, an elder law attorney for that. So what's the difference between an estate planning attorney and an elder law attorney? And I'll come to that in just a second. But the big difference is estate planning is more about death. Elder law is more about living. I think that's suffice to say. But I'll come and explain that to you in just one second. The, The second thing in financial planning, you have to understand that even when you have the money, it's the use of the money that's going to be important. And it doesn't take a lot of money to make that happen. Another aspect of financial planning that we should be looking into is when we are no longer in control of our life, right? So I become incapacitated. I'm in the hospital. I can't pay my bills. I can't file my taxes. What kinds of structures do I need to build? So I will I can mean it when I say I don't want to be a burden on my children. Because look, Harry, the reality is this. Most people who have a power of attorney, they prepared it because they didn't want to become a burden. That's the point of power of attorney. I'll be less of a burden. And right. my conclusion is the average person's power of attorney is a written guarantee that you signed in your own hand that the day that you fall ill, you will become a burden on whosoever name you put in that stupid document. You narrowed down the people you'll be a burden to. You did nothing about the burden issue. Why? Today, that child has to step up, start paying your taxes. How easy will it be for him to go ahead and pay your uh, file your tax return without it becoming a chore to them? Mm-hmm. If today the plumbing starts leaking in your house, how easy will it be for that child that you appointed as the power of attorney to address that without that becoming a burden to them? So that's another little rail that you have to worry about. It's got nothing to do with finances, but everything to do with finances. How do you organize your life so that you're not a burden? So that's combination of a financial legal issue. So that's finances, protecting the money and making sure there's use of money so you don't become a burden. That's what finances is. And using all the
0: resources that may be available to you, it sounds
1: like. Right. Exactly. Yep. So and then then you take a look at the legal plan, right? And then, then the legal planning is where you and I come up with. And then look back to what happened to us when we went to law school. And what is the state planning? Is preparing documents, wills of trust, so that we can set out who gets what when I die. Powers of attorney, who will manage my stuff until such time that I die. Living will, do I want to feed into you if I was in a coma? In other words, how do I want to die? Right. You get this picture, no matter which way you cut it, no matter how wonderfully we want to go ahead and position it, who gets what when I die? How do I die? Who's going to manage my stuff till I die? Congratulations, estate planning gets you ready to? Die. Die. (laughs) Look at the rest of your life and say, what's more important? Don't want to be in a nursing home. Don't want to be a burden, protect my money. Mm -hmm. These may as well be two ships that pass each other in the ocean, estate planning, and, and the goals that we have in life
0: which is probably one of the reasons people don't want to do estate planning. It's all about death,
1: not about (laughs) life. 60 to 70% of Americans don't have meaningful estate plans in place, right? No wonder. No wonder. And so what is better legal planning is to make sure that you use the instruments and the tools that the law gives you so that you can be sure that if you were to fall ill, deal with incapacity the biggest financial threat, uncovered medical long-term care illness will not eviscerate your life's hard-earned work. Mm-hmm. You take a look at how to protect that money. You got to do that 10 years before you fall ill. So it's mm-hmm. all baked in there. And, right? and also, of course, that if you don't want to be just
0: stuck in a nursing home, right. that you have a structure in place to, to get the care
1: you need where you want to get it. So so let's talk about it. So, Harry, how to do that. I mean, everyone says they do that. Yeah, and then you're you're. I have to. I mean, I got to give you kudos. I mean, when I was a brand new attorney, everyone was looking at Harry Margolis being the elder law god in the country, and I mean it very sincerely. I mean, I have followed you, your work, and and, and you've been kind enough to give me your time and mentored me when I needed some mentorship. But when you, when I take a yeah, look, I'm like, glad that now they, that uh, you're returning the favor. So oh. now I can. Learn. <laughs> you're kind to say that. I I, I think you you still way up there on the big pedestal as far as I'm concerned. But when I take a look at the documents that we prepare, even as elder law attorneys, I dare say it it misses the mark 99% of the time. Why -hmm. does it miss the mark? A power of attorney is a document that we know tacitly admits that when I'm no longer in control, I'm naming these people to go figure this out. But when you read the document and say figure what out, there's almost no direction given in most powers of a Right. We are saying, price, I wanna be able to live well. my life at home. How will that happen? And again, going back to housing for a second, let me make the connection between health and housing and legal, just for a second. Housing happens. The goal is I don't want to leave my house, if possible, when I fall ill, I want the care to come to me. Right. There's actually an industry in the healthcare industry That promises every single American family who could qualify for this industry, that if you ever reach the station in life where you're being asked to pick between where do I want to access care, at home or in a a care facility, and you say at home, this industry leaves no stone unturned to bring you back home. But unfortunately, it's not available to everyone. This is a small number of people. What is that industry? Hospice. Mm -hmm. When I have less than, six months to live. Right. Oh, Rajiv, how would you like to spend the last six months in your own home? Of course I would. Who would not? All right, let's see as to what it'll take to make it happen. Pull together a multidisciplinary medical team headed by an occupation therapist, physical therapist, somebody. Go to Rajiv's house, take a look. What will it take for him to, to, to uh, go back home? He needs a hospital bed, respirator, grab bar, safety equipment, make it all happen. Oh, don't stop there. Send a nurse to administer medication. Send a bath aide to attend to his hygiene Send a... Uh, counselor to counsel this whole entire family through this tumultuous time in their lives and make sure every family member has access to a 800 number. They can call it two in the morning, two o'clock at night. Nobody should feel there alone. If I have less than six months to live, how would you like to go home? If I have six months and one day to live, or oh, which rehab center do you wanna to go to? Mm-hmm. And then now I'm comparing that. So there's the health and the housing connection. Now I compare that to the legal connection and say, why is every single power of attorney not telling the agents, the moment I fall ill, the moment I fall ill, I'm not asking you, I am telling you, you are going to pick up the phone and call one of those hospice type of people Call a geriatric care manager. And the first question out of your mouth is going to be, I got a mom or dad stuck in a hospital. I want to be able to see them come back home. I don't have a clue how to do it. But you do. I will use my authority and use mom and dad's money to pay for whatever the cost is going to be. You go talk to the discharge nurse. I want mom and dad to come back home. Why is that not baked into 100 percent of the powers of attorney if somebody means it when they say I don't want to be a burden and I want to be able to come back home? I never understood that. That makes a different planning, doesn't it, Harry? Yeah. And that's just one example. Of how we need to, so the notion that I've created over the 20 years I practiced law, here's what I used to say to my my staff and the attorneys who work for me. When you create a document, you must create something called a manual of instructions. Life is like a Lego set, 300 pieces, you got to build the space needle using these 300 pieces. If the Lego set came without instructions, how many people do you think will be able to build the space needle? I dare say 99% of the people will fail. Yeah. You put in the instructions with the pieces, almost 100% of us will build the space needle structure that we were intended to. That's the exact same analogy that happens in life. Legal documents by themselves are not enough. That's the problem with the state planning industry. The state planning industry is absolutely in love with, oh, we just produce documents. We can save, save money from the big bad government. Really? But how much help do we give so we never build manuals of instruction? We never give meaningful help to the agents of what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. And therefore, people end up with all sorts of bad structures. Your, your kid, you're laying in the hospital. The doctor is saying, which rehab center? The kid is looking to you, and you're saying, I will go home. And the doctor is saying, oh, no, I don't think you should go back home. You've just set up an instant battle. Right, right. And you could have changed that outcome. So legal planning, how we do it and how we should do it, are very different.
0: So, so, so how would someone get like a sample manual of instructions?
1: The, well, it's not so much a sample manual of instructions, Harry. Mm-hmm. It is working with an attorney who's going to give you some time. Uh-huh. And we have to look, your life is different. Your financial makeup is different. Your relationships with your children is different, right? everyone who comes to my firm walks away with a slightly different iteration of the same power of turn. Mm-hmm. because the instructions that I give are so individualized to them. Uh-huh. But if you want to go ahead and get just a sample instructions, you can go to agingoptions.com. And again, in that academy, you know we've got, we've got this whole conversation about how to build proper legal documents. When you go to a lawyer, we give tear sheets to people who don't want to work with us. They want to go somewhere else. I can educate you where you can take a tear sheet to the attorney and say, build me a manual of instructions. Uh-huh. So, we, we, so we, in terms
0: of the topics we're going to cover, I think there's one remaining, the family, which yeah. uh,
1: I think most people do no planning. There, there is no plan. We just assume family. that the kids, look, Harry, you know, make no mistake about it. When I take a look at the whole thing, one recognition that I have is there's no difference in where in the world you're born as far as the family is concerned. Every child wants to do right by mom, dad, whether mm-hmm. they're born in India, whether they're born in America. Only difference is when you're born in India, you were raised to know what that looks like. In America, we know we have to do something. We don't have a bloody clue what we're going to end up doing. Right. We don't even, if there are three or four children, we don't even know who's going to act. We just sure. oblivious to the whole thing. Yeah. In the end, understand this. Just saying that I don't want to become a burden on my loved ones, my family, means utterly nothing. It's the biggest lie that parents tell the children. Right. Because the day you fall ill, all your family members are going to be stuck in your life. The only question is how well prepared are they and how much time do they have to give you? Right. I've had clients who said,
0: Well, when that happens, take me out back and shoot me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like your kids are going to do that.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> and I'll spend the rest of my life in jail having done that, mm-hmm. giving you the wishes. That's right. right. Yeah, no, you've heard it all. I've heard it all. And, and and it's not that easy. Can you plan differently? Of course you can. And here's what I say to that end. It's a very intimate conversation. I mean, 100% of my clients, I will ask them, when we're done with the planning with you, you got to bring the kids in. Because when you prepare the documents, you know what you will find acceptable by way of responsibilities on your children. So when we do the documents, we place responsibilities. But in my opinion, it's less important that what you want your kids to do is more important that they understand what you're asking them to do, that they have a meaningful opportunity to have input and in how sure. you're approaching your life. So that, as it relates to them and that they accept their role in an open forum, if they're four or five children, all of them get to hear whose role, what are we going to do, and that we can actually negotiate. It reduces fights that happen at the end. And improves the outcomes that you're looking for, improves the predictability of the outcome that you're looking for, because now everyone is in on the secret that we have right now.
0: Right. And that's the
1: thing. So if you approach this way, healthcare and housing and finance and legal and family, and you coordinate every effort, it takes about six months to nine months to go and go through one plan. But once you're done with the plan, it's the most liberating thing that you can ever end up doing. Because now when I fall ill, I will not be in an institutional care setting against my wishes. I will not be a burden to my kids. And I have made sure that there will be something left for my children after I'm dead and gone.
0: And I'm sure it's liberating for your children, too. Oh, because totally. They've had that discussion. They, they, otherwise, they just know that there's this impending event that may occur at any time. Right. And take over Absolutely. their lives. Absolutely. Yeah. This yeah. has been great, Rajiv. I've, I've, I've learned a lot. Uh, to, uh, in these last uh, two discussions.
1: And uh, you mentioned agingoptions.com. That's right, agingoptions.com. Harry, the, the thing that I did was many years ago when I came to America, this whole journey started with me meeting my wife, who's from America. She's, she, she was born here. And through her, I met my father-in-law who had worked in the post office for many years. My mother-in-law was a nurse. My father-in-law got Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. The first time I saw him was in a nursing home. And that's changed the trajectory of what my outcome was. I was not a lawyer back then. I was working for an insurance company at the time. Mm -hmm. And watching how we treat our old people, watching the helplessness the families go through when a loved one falls ill, it it just didn't compute. I mean, it just didn't make any sense. The richest country in the world, we can do anything except when it comes to this one issue. And that's what got me to become an elder law attorney and do everything. So when I do the work that I end up doing, my job is to challenge the status quo and and disrupt the way we approach life. The Walton family, the Beverly Hillbillies, are good examples of, we used to do things a little bit differently than what we do them today. Right. And it's not the lack of knowledge or laws or know-how. It is the inability of people to appreciate the planning and waiting way too late before we start embarking on the planning journey. You change the planning and you change the outcomes. Like right. right. easingoptions.com, we put all this stuff. So I created, I spent six or seven years creating a, basically an online course, if you will, on what life planning is. It's not taught just by me. It's taught by the nation's leading authorities, like Dr. Chad Bolt I talked about in geriatrics. Mm-hmm. Right. People from leading age talking about housing issues. I've got you know people from the financial industry talking about reverse mortgages, long-term care insurance, what is a financial dashboard, VA, Medicare, Medicaid, legal, all of that sitting there. Go to agingoptions.com, and you can start your own life planning journey. And you also have a PBS show now, don't you? Indeed, yeah. So for many years, my, my lament always was that I know it's a good thing that we are doing, but how do you get the word out and i had i would go to any and everyone who would give me an opportunity to talk finally pbs picked it up i'm so excited about it about half the country have the stations in the country have actually picked it up and in, in boston your mm-hmm. neck of the woods i mean you you've got one of the biggest pbs stations and harry I, I i have to crow a little bit up here your station in boston is the producer of a majority of the content that goes on pbs nationwide And they almost never air a show that is not produced within that station, except the station chose to put on Master Your Future. And it couldn't be a bigger accolade because this is so different and compelling that it is worth watching and listening. Look, I hope everybody who's listening
0: to this will observe Master Your Future on, if you're in the Boston area, it'll be on WGBH. That's right. Thank you very much, Rajiv. This
1: is Thank you, Harry. is a pleasure being here. Thank you for having me
0: here. Thank you for listening to the Ask Harry podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends and colleagues. If you have questions about estate planning, you can find answers at askharry.info. And if you don't find your answer there, you can post a question and I will respond to it. You can also subscribe and listen to future episodes on iTunes.